tonight, at this time, we are going to have our second message for the day, which was by Pastor Steve Andrews. It is entitled, Blessed is the Man. It was quite interesting yesterday. Um, I kind of sweated the, the message I was giving. I didn't want to offend any, any of his relatives. And I found out that Greg and I already offended him. <laughs> so I didn't have to sweat too much. <laughs> uh, um, I was. Uh, Quite pleased with the speeches that came. They were very interesting. They uh, they talked math, um, computer science, and all the different things. And then they, I guess, read put in a little bit you know, <laughs> religion and politics. <laughs> so it must have been very interesting for them in that in that situation. So I um, was interesting. I've had a something on my mind for quite a long time, and I, uh, I've been fighting it, and it's been fighting me, so it didn't work, so it won. So I went back to one that I've been, you know, several years ago, and you know, come back to it occasionally, Psalm 1. For those of us who grew up in, and I kind of grew up, I was in World War I. That was actually the first song in the songbook, Psalm 1. And in the years that I was there, I, I don't know how many times we sang it, but it was a lot. And it seemed to be the one that said, Christ also took a lot and, and sang. And so it was kind of drilled into my head um, to sing that over and over again. And yet, in reality, that's one of the most interesting and profound um, psalms in the book, and it has uh, some really deep meaning and some, I think it's just, just some different uh, areas of the Bible. But one of the things that this first verse, and I'm going to read it, Blessed is that man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And you just read through that and you say, oh, okay. And then I, I got, um, I think it was the Amplified Bible or one of those Bibles that pulled it out, and all of a sudden it was telling me, hey, there's threes in there. And there a lot of times in the Old Testament there you, you find that. It's got threes. And so I, I went ahead and put it on. This is the set. And it has my favorite um, positive negative, the uh, not nor uh, positive negative. And one of the things that you see, and I'm going to ask you a question walk, stand, and sit. What is not said there? What would you say if you were confronted with the ungodly sinners and scornful? What would you really rather do? Anybody? Run! 
run. Yes. So, this is, this is so profoundly interesting. Because what he's talking about here is walking in the counsel of the ungodly. What have we got in the situation in the world that we live in today? We watch the news. And who is walking in the counsel of the ungodly? A lot of people who are walking with those who are fomenting all kinds of um, bad acts, whatever you call them, Antifa, BLM, uh, all of those that are creating strife in the, in the city. Uh, you know, I've mentioned a lot of times because Portland is one of those cities that's had a lot of problems, and we have uh, relatives close by in that, uh, that area. And they say, oh, that, you know, they were totally wrecked it. And of course, then uh, some of these people that are there that uh, just give them almost carte blanche to do the things they want to do in these cities. So, <laughs> the ungodly. Watch in the counsel of the ungodly. Stand in the way of sinners. And sit in the seat of the scornful. Now, when I was thinking about the seat of the scornful, I was thinking about what's going on today in, uh, in the news as an uh, ongoing probe. And anybody that comes in and sits in that probe that's going on in Washington, D.C., is sitting in the seat of the scornful. I don't know if you've noticed, but they are they are very partisan and they're very scornful of everybody that they bring into there because of what they you know what they uh, what they're doing. So you are you know if you're putting into that situation where you have to, to come before a group of people, and I've had that happen to me on my draft board <laughs> many years ago. Um, I think they were scornful of anybody who had religious background in Tulsa. And one of the, the, the pastors objected. Uh, and so I, you sit in front of them and you answer questions, and they gave you these, these snide remarks. So we were. Um, and then, of course, uh, the stands in the way of sinners. And I was watching a. It's on YouTube. And. It's about Philadelphia. This guy is just driving down the street and taking, I, I think he must have a cell phone or a camera or something, and he was taking a video of the streets in Philadelphia. And I was so amazed. There were a lot of young adults who obviously were very, very hung up on drugs. Um, one of the first ones that they, the, the guy passed was a, looked like a young, uh, a lady who was totally bent over and did not move. She was just laying there, totally bent over, sitting on the concrete of, you know, uh, 
for as he walked, as he drove by, and there was more of these people. Then you saw others standing around, and obviously there was a few of them that looked like they were buying stuff. There were some that were standing and actually looked like they were interchanging um, things back and forth. And he kept driving, and all these streets had various people, some of them laying, and young ladies, young women, laying in a pile of trash and looking like they're totally out of it. What's happened in our, our, our city, our, our nation? So that got me to, to thinking about <laughs> Jews, and all of us are very familiar with it, but let's, let's look at that one very short 25 verses in the book of Jude. And let's think about the situation that's going on in the world today and the situation that's especially beginning to happen in the, in the society that we live in. And all of the things that... And these writings are all about history, going back and looking at history. Because we learn from it. If you were to take away the understanding of historical perspective, you would lose the understanding of what is going on today. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Who are we talking about? Well, Judaism and whoever he wrote to is all dead, waiting in the grave. And he's talking to us. We are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy to you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write to you as a common salvation, it was needful for me to write to you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You have to be careful what you find on the internet, what you find, um, what you read, because a lot of times it can sound like it's truth, but if it's not biblically based and truth from the Bible, it can uh, it can really uh, set you astray in your life. So we want to be careful. Certain men. Of old and of new and godly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the Lord God, the Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, yes, reserved in everlasting chains, under darkness, under judgment. 
on his judgment day of, the, of that great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them and the manner of giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also, filthy dreamers, defile uh, the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, dare not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. The Bible says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. One of these days he will take vengeance on those who are destroying and doing things in this society. But these speak evil these things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and run greedily after the error of Balaam. For reward and and perish in the gainsaying of poor. These are spots in the feast of charity that when they the feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit wither, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out of their, of their shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness and the darkness forever. That's pretty gloomy. That's, that's a lot of condemnation. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of these saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which their ungodly sinners have spoken against them. So we, we, we go back to Psalm 1 there that we're talking about. You know, being involved with these kinds of people, ungodly, sinners, and scornful. Instead of walking, standing, or sitting with them, we need to run away from them. And for young people, don't be equally yoked to unbelievers. Sometimes they can actually take you away from God. And they can make you think that what you're doing is not right. So you have to be very, very careful. And be be circumspect in your life and be thinking about what um, the friends that you have and, and what they are like. And if they're good friends, that's good. But if they're trying to move you into you know, thinking you're in something that you're not, a girl uh, making you into a boy or a boy into a girl, uh, those things there are against God's word and against God's way. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouths speak great, swelling words, having men's purses in admiration because of advantage. Yeah, it seems like in our uh, political world, it seems like those that have very little money when they start out end up with an awful lot of money because there is advantage to being in politics. Um, none of it is legal, but sometimes they get very rich in that position. But beloved, remember you, 
the words which were spoken before of the Apostle, our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. These should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And of some, of compassion, making a difference. And others, saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, and majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Amen. It's a small... 25 verses, but it's a powerful 25 verses. There's a complimentary one in 2 Peter. It's almost written exactly the same. It's almost as though they collaborated in those two letters together. But I want, I want to go to Jesus' words. As he called his disciples, and they came to him in chapter 5 of Matthew, and he opened his mouth and he taught him this way. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we, we started out, blessed is the man who does not walk in these particular ways or, or stands or sits with, with uh, ungodly sinners that scores them. And then we go to Jesus and he's talking about the way that we should be, how we should live. We should have be poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So if you want your life, <laughs> and I do, all of us do in this room, to reflect the godly um, way of life, then study and research and, and be like Jesus is saying. Blessed are you if you do these things, if you're this way. And then, of course, the last one, he says, Sometimes we have to endure persecution. Things that are going to come upon us. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think I mentioned that to a preacher. It was it's so amazing, and I don't remember. It was probably in the UK or somewhere. I don't remember whether it was the United States or not. But he was a street preacher out there. had his Bible and preaching, and then all of a sudden he got knocked down knocked down on the ground, flat on his back, and they came and they tore his vital up and threw it all over him. And so, you know, that's the kind of world that we live in. It's something that is, uh, is you know, many years ago, you would never even have thought about that. I mean, yeah, people would get up there and yell and scream and, 
not want the person to not be so blatant in their hatred. It seems like atheism and uh, communism and all of those things are now beginning to work in the world, and Christians are beginning to have this, this, this problem with those things. He says, Blessed are you, and you shall revile you, persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets were before you, that were before you. I'm going to go ahead and read a few more verses here because it's important that we get the, um, the, the groundwork that Jesus is telling us and the way of the life that we need to be living. And he tells us we're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing, but is cast out and is trodden underfoot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that, shall, uh, that is set on the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put, out, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, so that it gives light to all that are in the house. He says, so let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He's come to, you know, he's filled it up, and, and, and we're still uh, learning more about how, how full the law and the prophets are. Verily I say you unto heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall not wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men, so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So how important are the commandments of God? They are, they are vital, vitally important. For I say to you that except your righteousness should exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in, uh, in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. You've heard that it is said, For them, O old time, you shall not kill, whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, you fool, shall be in danger of our fire. Very strong words from Jesus. I went over further than I wanted to on this one. Let's go back now. We got through verse 1. Let's try verse 2. So, blessed is the man that walks not in the castle of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law does he meditate day and night. Now, I didn't have any idea that Matt was going to play that one song. But that's where I'm going. Psalm 119. Maybe. <laughs> I'm going to play Psalm 119. 
beginning of verse 97. The Psalm, the psalm 119 is an acclamation of the commandments, the judgments, the statutes of God. All the verses, when we talk about commandments, statutes, judgments, we talk about God, uh, the beauty of these things in our lives. And the psalmist, he says, Oh, how I love your law. First message was, you know, First Corinthians 13, our love. Well, if we love God's law, it will help us to love God and to love our neighbor, will it? It will be a groundwork for us in our life to love others if we love God's law. Because he tells us things that we should not be doing or should be doing. You, through your commandments, have made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. And we always, I mean, we don't probably have any physical enemies. I don't know whether you have anybody that is a physical enemy or, you know, is bullying you. But we do have an enemy that's always there. And he's always in the He's always the prince of the power of the air, Satan. He's always there. He's always wanting to trip us up. He's always wanting to put us in a situation in which we are going to sin against God. Satan is always there. And so if we're grounded in God's Word, grounded in the understanding of God's commandments, of what He wants us to do in our life, then we're able to fight off Satan, we're able to, to, you know, to keep him out of our life. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words in my, uh, to my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. For your precepts, uh, through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Here it is. Your word is a lamp under my feet and a light unto my path. Such a beautiful song. And those are beautiful verses. I have sworn that I will perform it, that I will keep your righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, I beseech you, the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your judgments. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from your precepts. Your testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes always, even to the end, forever. 
I wrote down at the bottom of my, my own Bible, forever. So, is it going to quit? When's God's law going to stop? Well, maybe when we're all in the kingdom of spirit beings. But maybe there's other laws that rule and regulate spirit beings. Angels. We know there are other laws. And they have, as an angel sins, and we're, we're cast out. And we know Satan was a sinner from the beginning. And so consequently, God's laws and His regulations in our life is a, is a forever thing. Don't you think we'll be obedient in the kingdom? That we'll be praising and worshiping God and obedient to what He wants us to do? As the statement says in there, I'd be happy to be a gatekeeper in the kingdom of God. Just to open the doors, to shut the doors, if that's what He wants me to do. So, the law, the truth, God's Word is so very important. So let's turn now back to Psalm, we were close to there, Psalm 1, and let's read the next verse. I love this verse, and I, I think of eternal life every time I read this. I think of, of being planted like a tree for all eternity. It says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Prosper. So, the psalmist looked at the trees realized that you know, those that were near the water, near that those roots reach out, and they're lively, they grow, they prosper close to that water. And they bring forth fruit in the season. I thought of a time tree in my backyard was not very fruitful. Every once in a while it'll bring forth something. And then every once in a while it'll bring forth so much I can't take care of it and just make the clouds everywhere. So, Think about the trees that are fruitful trees. And I think about Revelation and the permanent trees. And I, I'm going to, this is where I'm going to just leave this to your thinking. Because I've thought about it for years and I'm not really sure. I think this probably is spiritual. That would be for um, someone with more intelligence than me. He showed me a pure river, verse 1. And a pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and the Lamb. Can you imagine such a beautiful scenario? And standing there and looking at that pure water coming out the throne of God. In the midst of the street of it, and on the side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bore twelve manner of fruits and yielded the fruit every month. And the fruit and the leaves of that tree were for the healing of the nations. 
rightly verse 3, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. And if you'll read in the book of Revelation, the second chapter, it promised something that is, is quite interesting. Um, verse 7. He said, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The paradise of God is eternal life. When we get to where we're eating off of that tree, we are a spirit being. We are eternal. I'm not being controversial or anything, but it's always just interesting to me that there's also a parallel one that seems to be more physical. I'm not sure, but it's, uh, it's interesting. And it also talks about trees. And what I have returned in verse 7, Behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees, on the one side and on the other. And remember, <coughs> Ezekiel, you know, <laughs> um, this Angels walking around with a rod, measuring all kinds of things and making him um, walk with him, and he, he has to write all this down. And so, um, and also, he is uh, listening, and God says, and of course in my Bible this is all red, he says, And by the river upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side, shall grow all trees for me. Whose leaves shall not fade, neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. He shall bring forth new fruit according to his months, because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for the meat, and the leaf thereof for medicine. Uh, it could be us. We are planted. We are out there to help others. So, anyway, I'll leave you with that. It's always uh, been interesting for me to, to read that and think about that uh, for all the years. Let's go back now to Psalm 1. So now we've, we've gone through and we're a tree planted by the riverside. We're going to live forever. But also, the psalmist goes back to the ungodly. Because there has to be judgment. There has to be judgment of some sort in society. Some time, judgment has to be brought upon it. The ungodly are not so. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You want to be on the righteous side. You want to be on the side of eternal life. You don't want to be on the ungodly side, on the sinner side. You don't want to be in the seat of the scornful, or in the way of the sinners, or in the counsel of the ungodly. In Revelation, the 20th chapter, we're very familiar with it. But the judgment has come, and will come. It comes on this earth. And what we think it, in our own um, way of thinking about things. Why is it yet? Why hasn't it come now? Why aren't we 
seeing a lot more judgment now. And we know that God has a fine plan. We know He has a plan. He has not slack in His plan. He's not, uh, he has not um, given up on that plan. It's just not the right time yet. But someday, He will bring about judgment. So let's begin in verse 1 of chapter 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and bore him up for the devil. Cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should not deceive the nations any more, till a thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed for a little season. I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. They read God's word, and they understood it, and they lived it, until they died, until Christ returned. They received the reward of their diligence. He says, but the rest of the dead lived again, uh, not again, until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God in Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. That's our hope. That's what we look forward to. I hope God has a, has a uh, educational plan for me, and I'm definitely going to need it because I'm going to reign for anything. But it's going to it's going to be glorious. We're going to have a, a tremendous responsibility, an opportunity to, to help others in ways that we can't do as physical human beings. He says that when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations and which are in the four quarters of the earth, God and their God, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom shall be like the sand of the sea. And they went upon the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet um, the word R is in italics, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the books according to their works. It's going to be a great and glorious time when these books are open. Our book is being written right now. Our book is being written as we speak, as we live. Whatever is going into it, I hope it's good. I hope God is, is, uh, is going to give me some leeway in some of my things that in my life, as he's writing these things, I can imagine that angel sitting up there speedily writing, 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 you know. Or maybe it's high-tech stuff, you know. 
start laughing, start in. Like, like we have today, we could just take all everybody's spirit and just you know put it on the end of the book. But I don't know. It's interesting. The book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. That's why the psalmist said that they will be ashes. The ungodly will be ashes, not living forever in hell, writhing in pain. They will die. They will be completely and totally consumed in the lake of fire. The Bible is very. Um, compatible with the whole Bible. You can find something like that and look, and yeah, that's exactly what will happen. Jesus had this one thing to say. He gave a lot of power to his disciples. Luke, the 10th chapter, he said this. In verse 18, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall be by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not. That the spirits are subject to you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's the rejoicing that we have. If our book is being written, are we living the life that would be uh, a glory to God and Jesus Christ, that would be um, something that uh, our works would will be rewarded with a wonderful crown in that day. Well, I look forward to that time. And Satan is finally bound forever. All these things are over. No more pain, no more suffering. And all of these ungodly sinners and scornful are no more. No more. I look forward to that day when the kingdom of God is on the earth.